Now, our first Scripture reading this morning is from 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, and we begin to read at verse 4. 1 Peter 2 and verse 4. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builder rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. And may God bless this portion from His Word. Our second Bible reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, we begin reading at verse 9. 1 Corinthians 3, reading from verse 9. <clears throat> For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, <coughs> costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, 
for God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Amen, and may God bless His Word. Well, it's very nice to be with you again in Airdrie, and uh, I'm very glad to be able to share with you throughout this month. We're looking forward to our times together. I thought as the new year was beginning, we should take a look at how the New Testament describes the church and ask ourselves, are we measuring up to all that the Lord expects of us as individuals and corporately as a church? If you were to ask people in the Airdrie community, what is a church? I think you'd get an interesting selection of replies. <laughs> some of you, some would see the church as an institution, and uh, they would say, well, it's structured like a big organization with a pope at the top or a moderator or an archbishop and coming down all the different levels to, to the ordinary folks right at the bottom of the heap. Others would see the church as a building uh, from great cathedrals, perhaps, down to ordinary church buildings like our own here. It's amazing how many people think of the church as, as buildings. That was confirmed to me when I was minister at International in Aberdeen because uh, when I went there in 1982, we were worshiping in a school, and no matter how hard we tried to root ourselves in the community of cults in Aberdeen, they would not accept us as a church until we had a building. Only when we were able to put up a building did they begin to see us as being a real church. People's understanding of the church has been culturally and historically conditioned rather than biblically conditioned. When we turn to the Word of God to understand what the church is, the Bible tells us that the church is people who confess Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's not an organization, although it may have organization. It's not a building although it may have a building. The church is the gathered community of believers. That's one of our fundamental Baptist principles. Paul said uh, to the Christians at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, you are God's building. It's not the place where you gather, but the people who gather. That's the important thing. If by some tragedy this building were to be destroyed overnight, the church that is Airdrie Baptist Church has not been destroyed. Because you are the church, every single one of you. And much as though we love the places where we worship, listen, it's only bricks and mortar. That's all it is. The important thing is, you are the church. I remember in 1978, we went over to the United States. We were hosted by the Southern Baptist Convention. 
and I took part in a, a, a lecture on church growth that was given by John Havlick in Atlanta. And in his book, he makes a very significant comment. He says, the church is never a place, but always a people. Never a fold, but always a flock. Never a sacred building, but always a believing assembly. The church is you who pray, not where you pray. A structure of brick or marble can no more be a church than your clothes of serge or satin can be you. There is in this world nothing sacred but man, no sanctuary of man but the soul. So, when Jesus said to His disciples, I will build my church, He had people in mind, not organizations and not buildings. And that becomes clearer when the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 4, you are coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple, and you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. So, what is a church? Well, let's consider, first of all, the foundation of the church. In any building or enterprise, foundations are of critical importance. When I was a teenager, our church at Hamilton used to take a monthly service at an old folks' home that had just newly opened. Ten years later, the council closed the home because the foundations were insufficient and the building had subsided. You know, the curse of Lanarkshire, all these mine workings underneath. Well, this brand new state-of-the-art home had subsided, and they had to close it, and eventually they just knocked it down. Jesus told the parable about the man who built his house on the rock and the man who built his house on the sand. If something's to stand the test of time, then its foundation is critically important. And the church has a foundation that cannot be bettered. The Lord Jesus Himself is the foundation and the chief cornerstone, as the Scripture teaches us. 1 Corinthians 3.11, no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. So, you see, the foundations for this particular church, Airdrie Baptist Church, the foundation of it is Jesus, not your traditions, not the way you do things or historically have done things down the years. These are incidental and unimportant. The foundation is Jesus Christ, and we must hold fast, unwavering to the foundation of Jesus Christ, who is in the very midst of His people, guiding by His Spirit and directing dynamically, leading the church forward. No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, which we read, Peter quotes God's words from Isaiah 28, 16, I'm placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. The foundation is the Lord Jesus Himself. The church is built on the foundation of who Jesus is. He's the incarnate Son of God. 
Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter declared, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter confessed that Jesus is God. What the church believes about Jesus, that He became man, as we've been celebrating over the Christmas, Advent and Christmas period, but at the same time, that Jesus remained God, as He always had been. He is God and He is man. He is the God-man. John says in John 1, verse 1 and verse 14, in the beginning the Word already existed, and the Word was with God. He existed in the beginning with God, so the Word became human, made His home among us, full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. It's critically important that we see that the church is built on the foundation of who Jesus is. Jesus said in John 10, 30, the Father and I are one. John 14, 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He is God. He is man. He is the God-man, the incarnate Son of God, but also the incomparable Son of God. We were speaking with the children about when Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee and how He stood up and calmed the waves and the storm and the winds. And the disciples turned round and asked one another, who is this man? Even the winds and the waves obey Him. From everything that we see in the life of Jesus, He was incomparable. There was nobody else in the whole of human history like Jesus. A well-known essay written 150 years ago, it's, it's maybe a bit on the kind of quaint side, old-fashioned side now, but nevertheless, what it says remains powerful. It was published in tracts, and as a teenager, I remember getting this tract called One Solitary Life, and it climaxed with these words. Nineteen long centuries have come and gone. That shows you it was last century. Nineteen long centuries have come and gone, Today he is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. I'm far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever were built, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerful as that one solitary life. No one has had the impact and influence on the world and on individuals like Jesus, transforming lives, changing them, because He is beyond compare. Nobody in history can even approach the stature of Jesus and what He has accomplished. And the church is built on the foundation of who Jesus is, the incarnate Son of God, the incomparable Son of God, no one like Him. But it's also built on the foundation of what Jesus has done. 
we think about the witness of His death. You know, many people in our world today think of Jesus as a victim, but the Bible paints a very different picture. John 10, 17 to 18, Jesus says, the Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Yes, Jesus could have avoided the cross. Yes, Jesus could have rejected the pathway of suffering, but He chose to embrace it because He knew this was the only way that your sin and my sin could be forgiven, that we could be rescued from the sentence of death that we were under, judged because of our sinfulness. And He died on the cross in place, in our place, as our substitute and paid the penalty for our sin. Christ, says 1 Peter 3.18, suffered for our sins once for all time to bring you safely home to God. The church is built on that foundation of Christ's sacrifice, the witness of His death, but also the witness of His resurrection because He wasn't the victim. He is the victor. He rose again. Revelation 1.18, He says, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. But look, I am alive forever and ever. The Jesus whose person and work is the foundation upon which the church is built is the living Jesus. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. But because Jesus is alive, He offers eternal life to all who believe and trust in Him. Since I live, He says, you also will live. So, the building of God, the church, is built on the solid foundation of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And we are the building of God. All of us together are the building of God. And if any person takes away from that foundation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, then they're building their house on the shifting sands of human knowledge, rationalism, and experience. The foundation of the church. The builder of the church, though, secondly. If someone was passing by the construction site in Cults in Aberdeen in 1985, they would have seen the work going on to build International Baptist Church, and they could have asked, who's building this church? And some might have said, oh, it's International Baptist Church that's building the church. Or equally, they could have been told, it's Hall and Taws building that church. They were the contractors. Or it could have been said it's had the people who had the vision to start this work that are building this church. But all of these answers don't hit the mark. They're less than adequate. 
because the real, true, genuine answer, who is building this church? Jesus is building this church. Because the church isn't the bricks and mortar. It's the people. And Jesus was building His church there in that congregation, in that gathered community of believers. There was a role for the founder members. There was a role for those who were part of the constituted church at that time. There was a role for the contractors. But principally and fundamentally, it was Jesus who was building the church. I will build my church. It's not your church. It's His church. And that's the church He's building, and it's a church that is the lives of the gathered community of all who confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so, when we play our part correctly, we recognize we are not the builders. Jesus is. It's not my church. It's His church. So, we think then of the construction of the church. First Peter 2 and verse 5, you are living stones that God is building into His spiritual temple. If you and I are the building materials that Jesus uses to build His church, then what kind of materials are we offering to Him to build His church? If Jesus is building Airdrie Baptist Church. By the way, the construction's never finished. <laughs> you know, there was a time when, when we finished the building in Aberdeen, and we had a celebration uh, and a thanksgiving. Uh, but in biblical terms, when the Bible speaks about the church being built, Jesus building the church, it's an ongoing project it's not finished yet. In fact, it will not be finished until the day when Jesus returns again and calls all His people to Himself. So, the construction work is still going on, and you and I are, are part of the materials, the construction materials that Jesus is using to build His church today. And Paul describes the kind of materials that, uh, that we need to uh, use. He speaks of, in 1 Corinthians 3.12, of gold and silver and jewels and wood, hay and straw. So, what are we to make of that? Well, let's say, take the lesser kind of materials first of all, the wood of superficiality. As this new year begins, as this church embarks on a new chapter in its life, a new stage in its development, having gone through all that you went through last year, what are you offering to Jesus for the construction 
of the church He wants to build. I hope it's more than the wood of superficiality. A lot of superficial Christians, people who even can say, oh, I, I got converted on such and such a date, but it has not gone anywhere from there. And, and, and it's just superficial, the commitment that they've made to Jesus that they can say, I am saved, I'm going to heaven. But instead of being the real thing, well, instead of being genuine wood, we're just laminated chipboard Christians. You get the drift. Not the real deal. I hope, I hope that it's more than just a superficial commitment to Jesus and to His work and to His church that you are going to offer Him in 2020. Or the hay of complacency. Content to remain on the periphery of the church that Jesus is building. Only difference you know, between a large church and a small church is the size of the fringe. Many churches have got large fringes. Many Christians content to be there or thereabouts, but not com committing themselves to getting into the heart of the church and getting involved with the life of the church in a committed and dedicated way. Just find me a wee corner when I can sit. No burden for the lost and the dying. No desire to witness to Jesus Christ. No heart for the needy. No demonstration of Christ's love in action. I remember, do you, do you remember Reader's Digest? I don't even know whether it's still published. I haven't seen it for donkey's years. But they used to have little, little strap line things in there, which I always thought were quite interesting, quite good. And I always remember the one that said, church is full of pillars. Some are like load-bearing pillars. They carry all the weight in the church. Others are like caterpillars. They just crawl in and out. Don't be a caterpillar. Be a load-bearing pillar. Be someone who's involved, not just complacent thinking, others will do it. Or there's a straw of carnality. Lives that are molded by the world rather than by the gospel. How many are there in that category? In the church at Corinth, there were a great many worldly Christians, jealous of one another, quarreling with one another, tolerating lax moral behavior, falling far short of what true Christians ought to be causing other people to stumble. The straw of carnality. In this new year, first Sunday of a new year, as you're thinking about the year that lies ahead, the Lord Jesus is challenging you about the quality of the lives that you are offering to Him so that He can build His church here. Wood, hay, straw, superficiality, complacency, carnality. 
you know the children's story about the three pigs and the different houses and the big bad wolf comes and he huffs and he puffs and he blows them down. Don't build your house in the sand. Build it on the rock. The Lord Jesus Christ. And offer him the kind of lives that will honor him that he can use. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17, don't you realize all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Don't compromise and undermine the integrity of what Jesus Christ is doing by offering Him less than your best. Offer Him the gold of your obedience. Gold in Scriptures portrays the deity of Christ. The gold of Christ's righteousness shone brightly through the fires of affliction as He did God's will. He said in John 6, 38, I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me. That took Him all the way to Calvary. And Jesus longs for the gold of obedience to be manifested in our lives too. The invitation to follow Jesus is linked with denying ourselves and taking up our own cross daily. If any of you wants to be my follower, Matthew 16, 24, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and follow me. Is that the kind of life that we are offering to God this morning for the building of Christ's church? The gold of obedience, the silver of purity, Malachi 3.3, God says of Jesus, He will sit and judge like a refiner of silver, watching closely as the dross is burned away. Oh, dear. There's a lot of dross in my life. It needs to be burned away. What about you? Till we are purified like silver. Zechariah 13 verse 9 God says this, speaking of His people, I will bring them through the fire and make them pure, just as gold and silver are refined and purified by fire. God speaks of the purity that He longs to see in the lives of His people. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, God wants you to be holy. And when we offer holy lives to God, then the building that he is constructing, will become a holy temple. We, Ephesians 2.21, we who believe are carefully joined together, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. That's what the Lord Jesus is wanting for you here in Airdrie in 2020, that you might be so carefully joined together and purified in your lives so that you become a holy temple for the Lord. And then the jewels of Christ's likeness. God wants us to be like His Son, Jesus. That's the work, of course, of the Holy Spirit. 
2 Corinthians 3.18 says, as the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. And when the Holy Spirit is allowed to do His work in us, then the words of Zechariah 9.16 and 17 are fulfilled. They will sparkle in His land like jewels in a crown. How wonderful and how beautiful they will be. Is our desire to be like costly stones reflecting the beauty and glory of Jesus? Gold, silver, costly stones. Obedience, purity, Christ-likeness. These are the kinds of lives that we should be offering to the Lord as 2020 begins. Jesus is building His church. He is the foundation of the church He is building. We must be careful how we build because this is the greatest building project in the whole of history. And so we need to look at our lives and ask ourselves, what am I offering to the Lord as He continues to build His church right here in Airdrie in 2020? Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word and its challenge, and Lord, we just pray that you would continue to build your church, to make us into the people you want us to be, that we might be a bright, shining light within this community, shining out with the gospel of Jesus, that people who encounter us would see the beauty of Jesus in our lives and be attracted to Him. Father, at the beginning of this new year, we pray that we might be willing to offer you lives that will honor and glorify you, lives that reflect Jesus' own life so that He might build us together into that people of power, into that people through whom praise ascends to the courts of heaven. We pray that you will continue your work of grace in our lives and in this place. For Jesus' sake, amen.